Kia ora e te and welcome to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment, a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building. Join us as we delve into personal stories about inspirational career journeys for people in design and construction, as you too build your own story. Hello, I'm your host, Ralph Titmus, and today I have Nick Morris and Ben Fanger from LT McGuinness. Nick and Ben are the 2019 New Zealand Building Industry Supreme Award winners, which they won for their work on the Charles Ferguson Building in Wellington. The Charles Ferguson Tower was a challenging project for this young site manager and project manager pairing, whose philosophy was that they were the custodians of the client's interests. They practiced this throughout the project when unforeseen challenges arose and looked at ways that they could mitigate both cost and program blowout. They are currently both working in Wellington, with Ben working on the new $200 million archives building and Nick working on a $120 million new mixed-use office building. So just kicking off, I thought it would be an interesting thing to hear about Ben and Nick's uh, career and educational path today. So I wonder if we could uh, start with Ben. Okay. G'day, guys. How are you going? Well, jeepers. Um, obviously went to high school and finished that. Um, Did you finish seventh form? Or? Uh, no, I only made it to the end of fourth, but that's okay. Okay. Um, no, I made it to seven form, but um, yeah. So after after college, I went and did a design degree, um, and it was four years. So I managed to scrape my way through that, which was good. And uh, looking for a job as an architect, couldn't find anything for for love nor money, and I'd run out of money literally. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just went to a local building site and just you know, hey, can I come and do some labouring for you? Yeah, no problem. Jump on in. Next day, I was in there and um, didn't look back mm. from that point. And did an apprenticeship with them, uh, worked with them for a while, went overseas, did some work overseas in, in Ireland, um, came back and did some work for myself, built a few spec homes, et cetera, and then kind of wanted to develop my career. Um, and I think probably the best way to do that was to get into commercial construction and moving up the chain through there. So applied for a job at LT McGuinness, and that was um, almost 10 years ago, and mm. I've been there since. So um, yeah, that's a bit of a quick run through of what I've been up to the last 20 years. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And in those 10 years, what's your role been like at LTs? Uh, off the bat, mate, it was on the tools. It's the best way. You get chucked in the pit of fire at LT McGuinness to see if you can um, <laughs> make your way out. And if you can make your way out, then you've got a you've got a job of LTs for life. So Yeah. Um, I think you've handled the hammer and the glass nails. Oh, yeah, I've got that, all yeah. those those tricks played on me, but obviously a <laughs> bit more clever than that. <laughs> Going by, what's your one, Nick? Buy a spirit for the level from the a local. bubble for the spirit level. Yeah, yeah. bubble yeah. for the spirit well, level. Blink, blinker fluid. Yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that's, yeah, and then moved up the ranks at LT's, finally got off the tools and progressively moved up the ranks. And Nice. So your current role is as a? Project manager for the new archives building. Awesome. Which is, um, yeah, a big job that we've kicked off beginning of this year so yeah okay yeah. so that's a that's a pretty pretty interesting career path going from design all the way through to laboring all the way up to running what is probably one of the largest builds in wellington currently yep she's a, she's a monster yep yeah. she sure is a three-year project so yeah it'll be a big one is that three years of construction or including design as well not three years of construction 36 months yep yeah wow that's uh that's gonna be a big one then yeah yeah so nice. and how's it all going over there uh yeah it's been interesting my man yeah few last few weeks it's been interesting obviously with the protests and stuff like that but we're good at problem solving. I tell you, LTs, we can <laughs> build anything anywhere and get anything anywhere, you know? Yeah. So, no, that's been good. Nice. Yeah. And how about yourself, Nick? I know you've had a pretty interesting career as well. Yeah, kind of um, similar to Ben in a lot of ways, I guess. Um, after 
finishing secondary school. I uh, went to university, but I guess after six months, I kind of worked out it wasn't really for me and um, got a shot at a job on a on a building site, starting out as a labourer, you know, those um, really rewarding roles, you know, keeping a site clean and doing a bit of mole sealing and um, installing insulation and all that stuff and worked my way up to an opportunity um, with an apprenticeship, which was really cool. And then um, after I finished my apprenticeship, worked as a carpenter for sort of five or so years and then sort of started to work towards an opportunity to get off the tools and stepped away from that, did a bit of further study just locally here um, out at Weltec in Petone and um, did a quantity surveying diploma, which was really huge for me. It opened up a lot of doors and I got a job just working for a, a small subcontractor, helping them out with all sorts of stuff, you know, in the office, obviously the pricing side of things, but just helping them with a few systems and things and website and marketing and all that sort of stuff. And then um, that led through my sort of friend network led to a chance to get an interview at LT McGuinness. And yeah, similar to Ben, I've been here at LT's for about seven or eight years and, you know, worked my way up out of that uh, entry level role. And now I'm a project manager for LT's working on a um, new office build on Bowen Street and it's um, going well so far Nice, and, and enjoying it along the way. Yeah, I think it's interesting that both of you have, yeah, I guess started in very different career start points, you know, either, you know, university and also, you know, at, at a labouring level. How much do you think that, I guess, the varied backgrounds that you've, or the varied experiences you've had across your roles plays into your current job, you know, from your design degree to your quantity surveying degree? How much do you think that really that really helps? I, I think I think it's a huge strength, you know, um, not just with us really, but across our project teams because construction is such a, such a team thing, you know, the the project manager is only as strong as the, the people on the team, really, including all the subbies and everything. So, yeah, the more varied the team, the better. We have people um, with us that have come from a hospitality background as chefs and things like that, other people that have, you know, done building science at university, but people that have studied education and other things, and they've all found a home in construction, and we just kind of work um, and play to each other's strengths, really, and it's um, a big advantage. Mm. Yeah, I think um, particularly with Elsie McGuinness, they... <clears throat> They, when they hire, they look for people with a, a wide range of, you know, skills and, you know, inputs that you can you can apply to your job. You know, like it's not just being a builder. You know, there's so much other things that go into being a builder, or, you know, managing people, um, organising, planning, all that kind of stuff. That's probably just as important as actually being a nailer. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking about an opportunity in construction, but you. You got a limited base knowledge, or you don't have a huge background in construction or everything, anything like that. Well, don't let it hold you back. You know, if you if you're keen and you want to get into it, then um, check out our website. We'll chuck it in the comments of this podcast and give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's yeah. the first ad Nick, that we've had to put. <laughs> yeah, we'll tick that box off. Yeah, yeah. sponsor yeah. by again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a really interesting point around how different backgrounds can really assist people in the in the construction industry. I think it's also quite interesting to talk about the different cultures and experiences that other people come to as well. It's something that I see quite regularly within my role uh, working on international projects with you know people from various different cultures is that having that multi that multidisciplinary background and experience with those different cultures I think really helps, especially on site. Um, so I wonder if from a from I guess from a cultural perspective, um, how are you seeing the the current construction sector move towards uh, a more sort of integrated and yeah, I guess I'm a multicultural, uh, diverse perspective. 
Yeah, I think there's been a huge cultural shift in my time in construction, you know, and I think a good metric for that is like how everyone's approach to health and safety. You know, when I was first starting out as a labourer apprentice, you know, health and safety wasn't given the priority that it deserves, you know, and um, everyone's worked hard and, and come a long way, you know, and it's now everyone's first priority where it should be. And that's that's one example, health and safety, but obviously, you know, gender equality and all of that stuff. You know, I can remember working on sites where there was only men's toilets, but that that got phased out some years ago, you know, and mm. um, it all comes back to your capabilities and everyone's an equal in construction. And if you, you know, if, as long as you've got the right attitude, treat everyone with respect and you do what you say you're going to do, it doesn't matter what your cultural background is or, mm. or, or where you're coming from. Now, I thought it'd be interesting to go back a little bit to uh, think, you know, obviously only a few years back for you guys, um, back at old age 18. So I thought if you could go back and, yeah, give yourself a piece of advice at age 18, what would it be? Well, a few years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago, yep. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go first. Um, you go first, Nick, mate. Nick, I don't know if you can hear me, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, my biggest point, I guess I'll just say that this year actually isn't going to be the Warriors' year and it won't be the Warriors' year for a few years. So just you need to accept that and chill out a bit, but um, it won't last forever. And I'm talking to you from 2022 here and the good news is this year is going to be the Warriors' year. So just hang in there, mate. What about you, Ben? Um, probably <laughs> on a more serious <laughs> serious note, I mean, probably looking back in now in my careers until when I was 18 um, and telling myself, hey, just be persistent, be dedicated and, you know, strive for as much as you can as you can do, you know, and um, play hard but play fair, I guess. And, you know, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. And don't stay up too late. <laughs> I think I might Don't go to town till five in the morning. Make sure you come home about eleven. <laughs> well, no, nothing good happens after that's one. Good advice, yeah. even now. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is proudly sponsored by Jib Plasterboard, your local plasterboard manufacturer. Jib Plasterboard offers a wide range of training programs and technical help for lining installation, fire resistance performance, noise control, wet area systems and rigid air barrier solutions. Please call the JIB helpline team on 0800 100 442 for technical support or register for a training session at jib.co.nz slash training and events. So I thought it'd be interesting because I think within our industry, there's some really key influential figures that you know people can can talk about and have their Im- and talk about their impact on the industry in New Zealand. But from a more personal perspective, um, who have you come across so far in your career, or who do you really aspire to really be like? Who's who's impacted your career so far? Um, yeah, I think yeah, for me personally, you know, I've got a big. Family focus. I've got a young family these days, and when I was growing up, I had two older brothers. You know, they were massively influential on me, and even now, I'm still kind of looking up to them. But they, they're not involved in construction. They're very successful in their own careers. You know, quite far removed from construction, although they try a bit of DIY and things like that. But um, you know, varied success, obviously. Um, but just you know, those core values that we've kind of already covered off around having the right attitude and treating people with respect and all that sort of stuff, and what Ben was saying about giving things a go, you know, that's kind of something that they instilled in me and it's helped me a lot in my career. 
Um, and then also, you know, my career progression, like when I, um, when I met my wife, I was only an apprentice, you know, so it was like, um, and my whole thing in life was just to get qualified, you know, but, um, she's, she's, um, highly educated, you know, and she was sort of pushed me to do that further study and everything like that. And that's the great thing about the construction industry. You can take it as far as you like, you know, the sky's the limit, but, um, yeah, professionally, there's there's a lot of really good, strong mentors within LT McGuinness. You know, they have strong staff retention. You know, there's a lot of key staff that have been with the business for over 30-plus years, like multiple people. There's second-generation, third-generation families working at the, at the business. But, um, yeah, I've, I've sort of closely been mentored by um, one of the company directors, Sean McGuinness, since I uh, first started with LTs. And, yeah, I had a really junior role when I started with the company and Sean sort of helped me to progress and given me those opportunities and maybe I guess to use a, like a rugby analogy sort of thing like when I first started I was in the rugby team and Sean was a Sean was the captain he was the skipper of the team and directed me around the park and things like that making the decision and I was just backing him up but now my career's progressed a lot and you know he's the coach and I'm the captain of my own team now sort of thing and then even his coaching role is kind of developing where he's like, you know, um, maybe giving me the ball 10 minutes before we run out and letting me say the last few words to the team before we run out together and he's already headed off up to the coach's box kind of thing. So, yeah, Sean's an absolute um, guru in construction and he's well-known and highly regarded in the industry, but he's put a lot of energy into me personally, which has helped me develop and given me those opportunities as well. I think it's really important that when you do find someone who is able to offer you that time and effort that I guess, yeah, it's, it's rewarding for both parties, really. Yeah, that's a good call. And that's something that I definitely enjoy. Like we have a, have a lot of, you know, young people coming through within LTs and I've got some good, strong young people in my own team. And it's definitely, def- I mean, it's very rewarding in construction anyway. You, you know, you go home at the end of the day and you can sort of look up and see what's been achieved that day. There's something tangible there, but you get a lot out of, you know, working with people around you and, um, bringing them up to speed and pushing them to grow and develop as well. Mm. Absolutely, Ben. Um, <clears throat> I guess from my uh, my end, it's definitely a family thing, and um, being part of a big family, you know, we always kind of looked up to each other. And but mainly, probably, um, probably my dad was probably someone who I looked up to, and he taught me work ethic which I think has really paid dividends for me in my career or what I've been doing for the last 20 years, you know, and again, about being reliable, turning up on time, um, showing respect, um, but, you know, being proactive in whatever you do and just giving it your all every day, I think was, you know, and that's what my, my dad taught me is to work hard and then work harder again. So, yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting, actually. Yeah, both spoken about family, and I think it's a it's a similar similar story for myself. My whole family's in construction. You know, my dad's a project manager with another construction firm as well in New Zealand, and yeah, it's very very similar. Is that I guess you know we both look up to those those family figures and and see the effort and the and and the experience that they can really bring and, and offer. But I want to actually just circle back a little bit to uh, some of your comments earlier, Nick, around you know the the length of time that you've both been at LT McGuinness and the support that you've been offered. And I think it's quite interesting is because currently in the industry, I think a lot of young people uh, are faced with a few different options. You know, do they stay at one company for a long period of time or do they jump around? And for instance, you know, I've had a few different roles in the last few years, uh, whereas, you know, both of you have stayed in one place for quite some time. And I wanted to just touch on 
what you thought was a key driver for that? Because for me, I see one of the primary reasons to stay at a place is when they invest back into you, when you have someone ready to, you know, to give the, that leadership and mentoring role and help you grow your own skills over time. Yeah, well, we're, we're putting a lot of energy in, into that, you know, and it's certainly the energy that's been put into me over the years. Um, last year, LT's opened up a, a school out at our own yard for our apprentices just for some, to consolidate the internal training and commercial construction. It can be challenging for apprentices to get qualified on the speci- uh, some specific units. A lot of them are kind of geared up towards the residential housing market. We might be building some apartments on the waterfront in Auckland that's, you know, 300 high-end apartments, but unfortunately you're not going to tick those residential boxes. So there's been a, an apprentice apprentice school set up at our yard where they can, you know, um, build things out there and get qualified on those key things that you don't often, you know, don't always get the opportunity to attack on a commercial construction site. Um, and then at a management level, we have a, a cadetship sort of program where, um, you know, you get exposed to um, different work streams and there's nothing better than on-the-job training, you know, um, if it's, say, quantity surveying as an example, you know, um, when you do your time up at head office, you get exposed to all the different types of um, construction projects, whether it's a fit-out and you're pricing aluminium and steel start and all that sort of stuff, or it's a, you know, big, um, large, heavy construction kind of project where you're doing a lot of concrete measures and things like that. So they try and get you exposed to different opportunities. So yeah, LTs are kind of working quite hard to make sure the great people that we do have here are still getting opportunities to progress. You know, a good example was one of the last big jobs that I came off. Um, we had a young guy there, Sean Riley, at the start of the project, he just started his apprenticeship. And over the three years of that life cycle of that project, he ended up being the foreman in the lobby. And it's a lobby that's won some architectural awards, you know. So um, the people that we have here stick around because they enjoy it. They're well supported. You know, we work hard and we play hard as well. There's a lot of good social things that we all do together through our own social club, but we also, a lot of us are friends outside work and things like that anyway, you know. Um, So, yeah, I guess on balance, there's probably a number of ways you would judge a place where you work and how much you enjoy it and reasons why you would want to stay or go or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think where we are at LTs, they certainly tick that box in terms of opportunity and in-house training and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think to have a successful company, you need people. You know, you need the right people. So putting the time and effort into the people of that company, not necessarily the owners or the directors, where they're so key. And, yeah, I think that's a, a Yeah, because good... we're, we're always encouraged to train the people around us, you know. Like... Mm. So I thought we could touch back on to something that hasn't gone well in your guys' career. <laughs> I think we've all, got, we've all got some interesting war stories and yeah, looking at your guys' faces, I think we've got some good ones coming up. But yeah, um, I can certainly think back to a, a couple of moments in my career which haven't gone quite so swimmingly. Uh, but yeah, I wondered if you guys wanted to talk about any of that and I guess what, what, how it affected your career. What did you take from it? Do you still look back with it and go, well, that was, that was, tar- that was tough? Or do you look back now slightly more fondly and see what it offered you in terms of, of, of learnings? Yeah, I think time's probably a great healer. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things which are probably a bit too early to talk about <laughs> for me. And then other things, yeah, you just... I mean, the great thing is to be able to step back and look back at something that hasn't gone well as a lesson, you know, and, you know, experience is a great, great thing. How do you get that experience? You know, you got to really, you know, uh, push yourself to do new things. And if it doesn't work out well, 
then you just kind of need to accept that and move on and learn from it. And then later in your career, it has a value to you because it is your experience and it influences your decision-making. You know, you're going to fall back on those failures, which are actually lessons, and they become experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, some of them hurt more than others, but there's a big <laughs> long list. Uh, ben, do you want I'm to just go through your top three? Jeepers, I'm trying to think of any. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember just funny, trying to think I, got, I got a funny one. I got a funny one. Well, I remember that I should be talking around, you know? Ben yeah, and man, I, make sure your defect liability theories <laughs> run out. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell one of Ben's ones, you know, um, we were on a project together and, um, you know, one thing I always push is the use of technology, you know, and um, Ben, it took a bit of work to come around to sort of cloud-based systems and things like that. And uh, one thing is recording evidence of fire rating that's happened before you've, you know, had a chance to get it inspected and it gets closed in and things like that. So Ben had all these really important fire rating images on his laptop and, um, He's driving home. He's <laughs> finished the day. Cool. See you later, Benny. Yeah. And he's um got into his ute and then he's ringing me up. Um, he's <laughs> He's got home. I was still at work. And he's like, hey, Nick, um, I can't find my laptop anymore. He was on my desk. And I was like, no, nah, I definitely saw you walk out with it. Anyway, we quickly worked out that he'd put it on the back of his ute and driven <laughs> off. And he was like, man, these, um, you know, this is like, this is a real pressure time. We had like 30 days prior to practical completion on like a $50 million project kind of thing. <laughs> So, rightio, we all, um, me and the, the cadet jumped into my ute and we traced the route home. I, was I actually put it on the top. It was on the top of the roof, actually. Was it? Yeah. Top of the roof. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> so, we were like, okay, we'll look for it. It must have fallen off. So, we drove the same route from central Wellington out to Whitby to try and see if we could spot Ben's, ute, uh, Ben's laptop on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it didn't go very well. We are just getting And we started coming up the Nodonga Gorge and we are like, oh. I was like, well, well. We can't find it, sorry, Benny. You know, and I was hung up off speakerphone, and we're like, "Yeah, we'll just pull off in Javel." And then I was just talking to the kid. Yeah, I'll drop you home, mate. Oh, we're a bit defeated. You know, we get to the top of the Nodonga Gorge, and bang, there's Ben's laptop in the central lane, <laughs> and it's been been run over by a few eighteen wheelers and things like that. And we're like, "Oh, what are we going to do?" So the traffic wasn't that bad, so we managed to kind of pull over on the side of the road and hazards on and things like that. And then we just walked down, and then we we had to wait until. There was a break in the traffic. We were watching Ben's laptop get run over a few more times. <laughs> then we saw these three trucks kind of battling to get up the Nodonga Gorge, and they are basically holding all the traffic back. So we're like, quick, let's go. So we ran out and saved the laptop. And then the next morning, our um, LT's IT guy, he did open-heart surgery on Ben's laptop, and we managed to recover all those <laughs> images. And, and Ben learned a hard lesson about backing things up into the cloud. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of those things on your roof. One of those awkward emails to the head office again. Oh, my laptop. Oh, my phone. My phone. My phone. I don't know how many phone emails I've had to send to the head office. Well, that's <laughs> part of your work ethic, working hard and then working harder again. You push all your equipment, your plant equipment around you. You know, like look nice. at the state of your ute at the moment. You know. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And besides, your IT guy's got a good story now. There's not many people who can say, yeah, it's been run over by a bunch of eighteen wheelers and still got it working. The hard drive was fine. yeah. Nice. He got the information off it, but that was the end of the laptop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's there's always some fun war stories in construction. Um, but I think some people can sometimes get the wrong idea about construction that it's, uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's this horrible field, um, but it's horrible hours and no reward, whereas I think it's you know very much the opposite. I think it, it's an extremely rewarding profession. Thanks for listening to Tall Stories, Tales from the Built Environment a podcast series by the New Zealand Institute of Building.